Hey everybody, it's your old friend John DeLuna with an RFC-sized mini-cast. Brian is away this evening, as they say on the news. Joining me is Rob Clay, Don, the headmaster Ferguson of BotCon fame, Matt Melvar of uh, Twitter fame, the rising star of Twitter. Uh, fellas, how are you guys doing? Not bad. Mm. Uh, pretty good, as long as my internet holds out. Okay, yeah. well. I'm pretty good as long as we don't have to go through Christmas again anytime soon. You survived, Don. <laughs> One more time. One you more know time. you missed the Christmas music already. <laughs> yeah, like, like a hole in the head. Do they play Christmas music in the... Yeah, in and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Starting in about September. Yeah. Wow. When the when, when the trees went up in September. I guess I fly through the store as fast as possible, not really listening to ambient noise, but uh, interesting. Guys, this is as I said, an RFC sized minicast because uh, this week we won't have an RFC proper, so we are uh, we're helping the uh, TF Radio network out by doing a minicast that's a little bit beefier than. Than normal, and uh, I have a couple of topics in my head, and I'm going to foist them upon the group uh, right now. Some stuff that's been rumbling in my head that uh, I find uh, I find somewhat interesting. I think so. Uh, first of all, topic one. There may be a topic two. We'll see how long topic one uh, goes. Is uh, well with third party running amok as always. The surprise entrant into 3Pathon has been Springer. My question to the group is, why in the world is Springer, of all toys, getting the third-party treatment? We have four, anywhere between four and six uh, Masterpiece-scale Springers coming out in 2017 or late 2016 when you spread it all out. And I do not understand the appeal of Springer as a character. He's become a kind of a cult thing from the movies. I don't, and the Wreckers, I guess, in comics. I don't understand him. Can someone explain to me what is the deal with Springer? I can't. I I I I, <laughs> I, 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 I literally have no idea why Springer has been who everybody has latched on to for you know just the you know, it's like where's all the broadsides? Where's all the you know we 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 we've had a we've had a fair share of Astro trains. It's like, but now you've got all these Springers. Plus, you've got another Springer if you don't if you don't count Masterpiece. You've got Defender, which was the first third party Springer. Rob uh, Clay. Can you explain to me the appeal of Springer? I don't understand it. I, I I think kind of the the last maybe five, six years, I think it's largely been the whole effect of last stand of the records. That was kind of a you know, watershed moment in Transformers comics and it got and it basically reminded a lot of people that Springer existed. That's that's when, you know, it wasn't that long afterwards that everyone went crazy for the uh generations voyager springer which is a really nice toy and is very similar to his records design i still prefer the sandstorm version because i can transform it without uh, the head popping off but i as far as why masterpiece i don't know i think it's one of those things where one or two groups kind of hit on it at the same time figuring that this was one that was safe that takara was not going to be in any kind of hurry to do and then there's that usual third-party blood-in-the-water thing, and everybody just jumps in. Matt, do you have any love for Springer? Uh, Springer is one of my favorites, actually. I do love him. Ooh, okay. Um, I, I, I do understand his appeal. He was a pretty big uh, character in Season 3 when it got uh, whittled down to you mm-hmm. know a pretty standard cast of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Are why you getting one of these guys? No, I don't buy uh, unofficial masterpiece scale stuff. Okay, all right. Um, but but <laughs> that's just a personal thing. I have nothing against anybody who buys these things. But uh, we are up to six announced different third-party masterpiece scales. <laughs> it is six. What is um, the holdup with uh, no R- no like? Well, how come we don't have six RC masterpiece RCs? Because uh, they don't. We, because they don't want it. <laughs> Uh, because we we've seen one and we don't need any more of those. <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd I'd argue that having looked at the toy world, when we need at least one more of those to be good, but that's just me. <laughs> but I mean, we have Biotech RC. What more do we need? Never mind. <laughs> but but Springer really has come back into the consciousness, especially with Last Stand of the Wreckers and the IDW comic books. Like yeah. everybody loves that comic. Uh. You know, the 30th anniversary of the movie rolling around. I mean, we already had a Masterpiece Ultra Magnus. We already had two Masterpiece Hot Rods. So it whittled down the cast. But why all six of these companies picked Springer out of what was left, I have no idea. Yeah, I think it's like, to me, like I said, it's uh, it's a combination of like, why, why Springer? And like, there's other low-hanging fruit out there, I feel. Maybe that's a personal bias. I don't know. Or, or maybe... No offense, Don, but has the maybe as a follow-up question to you guys, has the shine worn off of RC? Is she not this mythical thing anymore now that we've had toys in a variety of lines in the last like five, six years? I'll let Don answer that. Do you think the mystique of RC is gone? Well, I don't think so because she's still a a core character of the movie and post movie years, and we really have only had, you know, the generations and the car releases we've we've got those yeah we there's been animated. a few a- animated there's been a few third party uh like delicate warrior and uh leia from the war in the pocket series so but i don't I, I believe she isn't as a heavy hitter as she used to be because we've got other like like chromia uh nautica in the comics we've got alita one i believe she's shown up in the comics or at least she's made a, a more of an impression over the last few years so with the female autobot and female i guess probably even female decepticons at some point roster filling out i, I don't think she's as unique as she was the character is unique i'm just saying her place in the history is assured being the first female autobot but i don't think with the inclusion of more female autobots and eventually decepticons She's as the focus, mm-hmm. but we still have not gotten uh, a good uh, definitive definitive version of RC. I mean, the generations generations is great, but you know the movie the movie is apparently you know, like I say we got Ultra Magnus, we've got Springers, unofficial, but they're still there, and we've got Cups coming and everything else. So I mean, we still need a definitive masterpiece quality RC headmaster or not. Uh, and we still haven't gotten that yet. Is that is that what I was going to ask you? So, in what does definitive mean? Like, what's the generation one missing? And like you said, is, to you, is definitive a masterpiece scale RC? What do you think? Well, I like the generations one. It's just there were some creepy design choices made. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess there's that, uh, and the fact that it's just I can't put my finger on it, but it's just. I like backpack. Yeah, I guess maybe that's it's just it's in my head when I picture what I want. That's not it. And I can't be any more specific other than that's not it. It's just one of them. It's one of them intrinsic. It's close, but it's just slightly off kilter. 
if we got a masterpiece version, and and I'm just saying masterpiece because again we ha- we have movie characters in the masterpiece line, official and unofficial, and again that's where she appeared, and she's a core member of the movie. And if we got the headmaster version with or without a Daniel, that way you that way you can have whatever display option you would want. If nothing else, you could have a little Daniel to ride inside a regular RC. So I mean, you know, it's a win-win either way. But you know it. I, I just I still think we need we need a definitive version that people can say this is this is the aesthetic this is the way she looked in the movie this is the way she poses without being cheesecakeish because that you <laughs> uh-huh. r- robot cheesecake doesn't it not no maybe not no. for you maybe not for me but it's just no hey Rob no. I mean what do you think do you think we haven't quite got well one do you think Garcia's kind of lost her shine. And then two, from what we've gotten, I mean, do you still feel like there is a better RC to be made? Well, I think there's always a, a better version of just about anything uh, to be made because after all these years, generations keep surprising me with new versions of things. But that said, I think that, yeah, the, the fact that we did get a mostly but not entirely G1 accurate and mostly but not entirely, you know, uh, as Don said, like, it's not quite exactly what I want, uh, wanted either, but it's so close. And for there have been, you know, su- such a such a call for for that for that character for so long. You know, specifically the G one RC. I think the fact that there is finally one kind of did make trying to figure out the exact right wording, but just kind of did diffuse the the call for versions of G one RC that that had previously existed. I, I, I think it did kind of l- let the wind out of that a little bit. I would still like to see a Titans return version, which I think has been, you know, one of the rumors a couple of times around, um, in terms of masterpiece, I have a feeling it's not going to happen anytime soon, but I think if they keep going, it's going to happen eventually. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much for generations. She was good enough for a lot of folks. Yeah. Especially with the legends paint job that does help a bit. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Matt, are you content for now with uh, with that RC, or are you not? I mean, I have that RC proudly displayed with the rest of my Season 3 cast. There you go. Um, I think a little bit of the luster has worn off the, the character. Like, it's not quite the Holy Grail that it used to be, because we did get one that's fairly close after waiting, you know, nearly 30 years. Uh, I think a lot of what stands in RC's way of getting a masterpiece is her design. I mean, going from that robot mode to any car is going to be incredibly difficult. That's why, you know, the Deluxe has a giant car shell on its back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, here is another topic that has kind of spawned as you guys were talking, which I think is uh, fascinating. Save your hate mail, too, uh, people, for when you hear this. Uh, but I, I trust the, the four of us to have a, a thoughtful discussion on this. So when we were talking about Springer earlier... A lot of what came out while we were talking is the exposure he got in the comics. And the comics, IDW, uh, they have had a pretty high-profile place in the toy line as, like, packing comics or influencing the design of product and, you know, just kind of being this constant presence, at least in social media and online and for the older uh, segments of Transformer fans. So my question to the group is, do you think... For the good of uh, the Transformer brand overall, all right, for all ages, hint, hint, do you think IDW is held in 
too high a regard? Do you think that their influence, because it skews obviously heavy towards the older crowd, are they being given too much? Uh, are, 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 are they allowed to affect the toy line for kids and the overall kind of online presence of Transformers too much for the line's overall kind of mainstream appeal? Do you think it's fair that they have such a seat at the table or they've been such an influence on the on toy lines, do you think it's good? Do you think it's bad? Do you think it's fair? Do you think it's it, it's Hasbro's leaning too much on them and not enough on, say, robots in disguise? I know that's a lot to digest and articulate, I guess. So, um, so I'll start with uh, the very thoughtful Rob Clay. Rob Clay, what do you think? What do you have? Do you think the effect that IDW has had on the brand in the last handful of years, half decade or so? Do you think that's been actually good for the brand, or do you think that has steered them a little bit too much, maybe towards the hardcore end of the of the Transformers universe? You know, it's difficult to say. I it's we we make so much of generations because it's what we're into, but at the same time, robots in disguise, the warrior class is about to go to what wave eight, nine, something like that. Mm-hmm. And you know, Generations has probably had that many consecutive waves at this point, but it keeps getting rebranded as, you know, Titan's Return or uh, so on. It, it is basically, in my memory, unheard of for any Transformers line based on a TV show to, to get to Wave 9. Hmm. So I don't know that... IDW's influence on, on the brand as a whole is outsized. I, I feel because my because my collecting funds are limited, I don't pay enough attention to robots in disguise. And also, I just honestly kind of get lazy and have not caught up with the show in forever. And so I think as an older collector with a focus on generations, I don't think I have a really good grasp of how important it is to the brand, how important it is to the collectors and the fans other than me. Mm-hmm. That, that's a big blind spot for me. And as, as a guy who, you know, does robot news uh, every day, that's kind of stupid to say, but yeah, I don't, I'm not read up on robots in disguise. I, I'm not as conversant in it as, as I should be. And I feel like it's probably a bigger part of things than I suspect. Mm. That's a good response though. I mean, it's a fair response. And I think, uh, I think just looking at maybe the longevity or the uh, the accumulation of RID product might be proof that uh, it's whether or not IDW is affecting the other aspects of Transformers overall in a good or bad way that it is uh, it's enduring like it, it it's found a it's found a place in spite of that just based on its longevity. Um, Don, what do you think? Do you think uh, do you think our uh, IDW is um, is properly like weighted or properly placed in, in the brand at this point? Do you think they're they have um, a fair amount of sway on, on what Transformers is these days? Well, since the only thing I've really read IDW related was Regeneration One, uh... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, but... Don, as, Don, based on that though, like since you've only had like a limited exposure to the comics, you don't feel, do you feel? I'm well. Ask, do you feel like it's it's has it intruded on anything that you currently collect or you have collected? Have, have you ever felt like, well, I mean, man, there's a lot of like IDW influence stuff out there, yeah. but I'm not interested in it because I'm not an IDW you know, fan. Well, a good example of that is uh, Mastermind Creations Carnifex. 
Uh, I've heard great things about that figure. And if you like Overlord as a character and you need a representation in your collection, you can either get him for 150 to 200 dollars, whatever the, whatever the going price is, or you can buy the G1 version, which is a fine, which is a very fine toy for that for its era for five, six, seven hundred dollars plus. <sighs> the problem is though, that's not my Overlord. My Overlord is from Master Force. I don't have any connection to the character in, uh, as an IDW character, so that design aesthetic it doesn't put me off, but it's not what I would want in a Overlord. I would want Giga and Mega and Power Masters and things such as that. Mm-hmm. I think IDW, looking at it from the outside, carries so much weight because it shows they care. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the Dreamwave days, that's all we had. And yeah, there there was a lot of good art come out of Dreamwave. There was some, some there was some. I was enjoying the Armada comic infinitely more than I was enjoying the television series. And I was enjoying the I was enjoying the slight tangents that Energon was taking before the before the uh, co- before the company closed. But I think it's because IDW just shows that they care about these characters. The thought is put into it. The quality of the writing and the artists behind these characters. People are willing to give them a little more influence because if those characters they put all this work into are coming out that well, you would want toys based on those representations because they're they're well thought out. They look good. They they fit what sort sort of like I'm gonna use Lord of the Rings reference. My mother uh, before she passed away and my aunt both read both read Tolkien and. My aunt uh, told me this after mom passed away. She, when she goes back and she rereads Lord of the Rings, she cannot think of the characters as she did before the movies because the movie characters were so, so well done. Those supplemented the mental images she had for the characters in all subsequent readings. Mm-hmm. I think with ID, I think with IDW is you've got these people putting in all this effort into these characters and it shows how much they love these characters and they're and they've got this quality these these quality artists and quality writers on it. So these are now the definitive characters. So you want the definitive toy. It's just for older fans like me again, not having the connection to this Overlord. If there's a toy made of him, either in Generations or third party, that's not my Overlord. Mm-hmm. But again, that's that's me looking for a representation for what I think of the character because the the IDW version did not supplement what my thought on the character was. I, uh, I can see what you're saying. And I think like, especially when it comes to the high price third party market, that's a real, a real kind of tight hole. They're trying to thread a needle through when they're combining IDW aesthetics, G1 properties. They're, they're looking for the 30 something early 40 something nostalgic fan who also reads the current comic books, who also has a lot of, discretionary income like you're really like slicing that slicing that pie thin for sure matt you're a you're a guy who partakes of a comic here and there though uh do you that i do do you feel like um you feel like uh, idw has had a fair uh kind of like say on what transformers product toys official or not are doing i mean do you think do you think their influence is in line with like you know how much value they they represent to the overall brand i think IDW is more influenced by the toys than the toys are influenced by IDW. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if you look at the toys we get, I mean, we don't get Megatron as an Autobot. We still get Megatron toys as Decepticons. They may have an optional Autobot sticker, but there's always the Decepticon Tampagraph. Cyclonus toys still have Decepticon logos on them. Um, 
we had for a little while there a good run of generation stuff around the end of you know the thrilling 30 and the very early combiner wars figures that were somewhat inspired by their idw designs like leader class ultra magnus um legends class swerve legends class tailgate stuff like that but that kind of stuff has really disappeared and it kind of happened all at once the most recent thing we've got is uh titans return chrome dome and while the body is still mostly g1 you know g1 focused just just the uh the face sculpt of the titan master is the is a fairly close to a g idw design yeah so plus, plus isn't plus isn't his style or power the same thing that chrome I, Gnome can I, do i don't i don't know i don't pay attention to, to i i didn't read the back of the packaging i can't remember no. exactly what style or yeah. power was but yes uh, Mem- mimography or mem- mem- memo surgery oh, or nemo yeah. surgery yeah yeah but um where was i going with this uh, uh idw being uh more influenced by the toys uh starscream for example every time we got a new starscream toy be it uh the deluxe armada mm-hmm. starscream toy the comics got starscream a body upgrade then when combiner wars rolled around and they uh shoehorned Starscream onto the jet, fi- the leader class Jetfire mold. Starscream changed again in the comics. I hear you. Good so, evidence. I, yeah, I, th- I don't think IDW really gets a fair shake. I think, and then uh, Combiner Wars, mm-hmm. the toy line was coming. IDW had to had to have a storyline to match that. Now we're in the middle of Titans Return. I'm sure the same thing's going to happen for Power of the Primes. So I think IDW is way more influenced by everything else Transformers mm-hmm. than the other way around. That's fair. It's an interesting way to look at it. Uh, last topic, guys. This also relates to IDW, but it's uh, kind of a reverse uh, point of view on stuff. I was just now bringing to you guys the topic of like, is the IDW like overweighted? Is it you know kind of kind of like influencing things too much? On the other side of the coin, you have Revolution, and I don't know if it was my personal impression or some kind of false expectation that I just kind of plugged into my brain. But I felt like Revolution came and went, uh, you know, not with a bang, but more with a thud, especially with the little bit of hype that we had building up online to it. Like it came and it went. And I guess I expected at this point more aftershocks from it or or I, I somehow expected in my head this is a springboard for something outside of the comics. And even if it might, we might end up seeing a little bit of this crossover in the next Transformers movie. We certainly really haven't gotten any kind of real um, teaser for it or any kind of like carrot. Uh, this huge, massive crossover of 80s brands, you know, came. We had one shots, um, a few issues, and, you know, it's 2017, you know, life goes on. I, you know, I, I, felt, I felt like I was supposed to expect this to be the beginning of grander things. And it, it turned out to be, you know, a limited... Uh, basically a comic book event. Um, Matt, I'll, I'll go back to you to go back around the horn. Just, you know, did I just have my own kind of like misguided opinions or do you think revolution was kind of a missed opportunity? I mean, I mean, coming out now that it's kind of, it, we've had it. I mean, what do you think? How do you, how do you grade it? How do you judge it? Uh, is it what you expected? Uh, I'm actually a little bit behind on my reading, so I haven't read any of the revolution stuff yet. Um, I've, uh can say that I wasn't looking forward to it. I'm I'm happy with the Transformers comics and I really don't want brands that I have no interest in encroaching upon the Transformers comics, so I'm hoping it's something I can just kind of ignore. So you're actually happy that it may be just the kind of thing that just kind of came and went. Yeah, uh I think 
you know, shared universes are just the next big thing right now, and it's kind of getting overblown. I, I don't think it's necessary. And it's turned out to be not even like that big a deal, actually. Uh, Rob, do you think uh, do you think Revolution was ever intended to be anything bigger? Are are you? Is, did it? Is it? Is it what you expected to it, it to be like a comic book event, or did you think like this was potentially the start of something bigger than what it ended up being? Um, I think it's. If anything, I it's turned out within the comics at least to be a little bit more low key in terms of the aftermath than than I expected. Which personally, I, I'm entirely happy about. But I don't I don't know that it was ever meant to have uh, a a broader effect on you know all these brands outside of the comics. It, it was kind of a kind of a pilot program, I think, in a sense, because Hasbro was very happy to put out their press uh, release saying, yeah, we're working on a movie version of the same concept once Revolution was announced. But I don't think there, I don't, I don't think there's, it was supposed to be like the centerpiece of, of a multimedia thing. I think, I think it was just specifically meant to expand IDW's horizons in terms of Hasbro comics. And it seems to have done that. Uh, so far it it's, it hasn't had an out uh, sized effect on what we're reading. There's a cameo by GI Joe in this issue of uh, not even a cameo. It's a, it's a guest appearance by GI Joe in the current issue of Optimus prime, but had this event not happened, they would have just been generic military guys. A couple of these characters, mm-hmm. the, the characters that are they get the most focus, previously existed in the Transformers comics, and I'm sure would have just shown up as the, you know, current version of the uh, Earth Defense Force if it if that had not been rolled into GI Joe. Um, but I have I I just am afraid. My, my the one fear I still I still have is that every six months or so, once again, just like the just like has happened for the you know generations branding events like Titans Return, Combiner Wars, and uh, and all those, everything's going to come to a grinding halt. Except this time, to actually understand what was going on, I will have have to have followed about ten comics I don't follow and don't care about. Hmm. If you were Rob, if you were an executive or somebody working on, say, within the bowels of Hasbro, a reboot of G.I. Joe as a property, like a fully fleshed multi-category property, based mm-hmm. on even if this was a very small pilot, just you know, just a test test flight, how are you feeling about how Revolution did or didn't get over with fans, um, how it did or didn't pull uh, mask and Joe fans kind of, you know, out of the dark and into the light. Uh, are you, if you're working on, if you were a person working on like the true reboot of GI Joe and you were hoping to see any kind of, um, you know, uh, kind of hidden, hidden demand realized, uh, by just the mention or just the, the testing of, of a story like revolution, are you more or less nervous now about the prospects of it? Do you think Revolution is too small to use as a um, as a measuring stick, or do you think that uh, that you can look at the reaction or non-reaction from fans of non-Transformers property as something to take into consideration while you're working on stuff? That's a tough one. Um, GI Joe was a fairly prominent part of uh, of Revolution, but 
I don't feel like the focus was the focus was rarely on them in what I would consider a good way because a lot of a lot of their presence in revolution had to do with uh, you know the misunderstandings necessary to make the various heroes fight each other and unfortunately in the first couple of uh, issues that happened in such ways to make their their current leader scarlet come off as an aggressive idiot an aggressive idiot who within the course of the first one and a half issues only has one expression at that but it's i don't know that i haven't looked at the individual gi joe comics maybe they're doing a better job of it but in terms of in terms of spotlighting gi joe it's probably it probably comes off the worst of all the properties in in revolution because i mean mask mask basically gets a springboard uh, uh, as a like counter transformers technology uh rom and the micronauts are kind of tied into the greater transformers cosmos and it ironically gi joe is just kind of left being there trying to cope with the success of the transformers on earth hmm. and not really managing it i Everything is kind of in orbit of Transformers in this crossover, and I think of all the properties involved, G.I. Joe does the worst job of blending in with that. They, they, you know, they, they have a certain level of sci-fi elements to them, but they, but because of their role in Revolution, they were basically called on to be the most grounded force, the, the most realistic thing in in the book. And I, I don't know that that's the best role for GI Joe. It's not it the maybe, most uh, sellable position. Yeah. I mean, if you're trying to do all of these, if you're trying to do all of these properties at once, it's kind of the only role uh, GI Joe can take. You kind of have to embrace the terrestrial military aspect of it because, you know, you've got, You've got mask with the with the weird fancy vehicles. You've got transformers being robots that turn into stuff. You've got Rom being robots and Micronauts being, you know, more fantastic science fiction. So that that doesn't leave a lot for GI Joe, hmm. which I mean, GI Joe can be done as as a real realistic military thing, but I don't know that as a toy property and as a cartoon that's all that's always its best tack. I, I think there has to be. You know, there there has to be room for a little bit of science fiction and fantasy and weirdness in there. That mm-hmm. you know, there there has to be your mass device, your weather dominators, your things like that. That, that it can't just be a straight up military thing because there's just not a lot to latch onto there for for a kid's property. Yeah, a lot of it has to do with the way the Transformers are portrayed in the comics too. Because, I mean, you know, G.I. Joe are supposed to be the heroes, you know, fighting to protect mankind. But the Transformers in their own series are viewed as not incredibly popular on Earth. Which means you've got these two, you've got your Transformers who are supposed to be heroic, your G.I. Joe who are supposed to be heroic. And they end up being antagonistic towards each other. Uh, the Transformers are way more popular and that just kind of leaves G.I. Joe in a very, very weird position. It's interesting, especially from the standpoint of if this was ever intended to reintroduce the properties on the coattails of Transformers. It's uh, it's interesting the balance you have to take between like telling a story like Rob laid out, where everybody has a, a place in the story, and 
trying to make everybody come out looking, smelling like a rose and being something that would interest, you know, the creative teams and the executive teams about rebooting that. Somebody's got to be the bad guy or somebody's got to somebody's got to be yeah, a, the it, fool it just, here. It just makes G.I. Joe come off as an antagonist to the Transformers as opposed to their own um, their own just property own thing. Yeah. Hey, Don, and I think. Oh, go ahead, Rob. Sorry. And, and I think, uh, you know, it's they were counting on the weight of of the Autobots position, uh, you know, the, the uh, to make G.I. Joe come off as more heroic against them, because, I mean, there, there's go- always going to be a natural, you know, inclination to root for Optimus Prime, even if, as is the case here, Optimus Prime is the heroic dictator of occupied Earth, which, you know, I think they were counting on that aspect to make uh, to make. G.I. Joe come off as the good guys because they're the human beings. They're trying to protect the planet from the Autobots, which makes sense. But at the same time, they're not doing a very wise job of it. And every it's they're acting on the least information of any actors in the book, which kind of is guaranteed to make them come off as morons. Interesting. So interesting. Don, any thoughts on Revolution as a reboot? I mean, after Revolution's come, gone, it's a thing. I mean, you as as uh, as a seasoned collector, are you are you interested? Are you mean? Are, are you well? How about this? Are you more interested post revolution in like a new mask line, a revitalized, refocused GI Joe line? Did it ha- did it move the needle at all? Just even by its sheer existence for you? I'll be honest. I've only read the free preview that Comicsology offered. I have not read the series. So um, it had no impact on you, basically, right? Well, n- no, but I, w- I, I think Rob hit it in the fact that, to a degree, I think this was basically Hasbro saying, we have all these properties. We can tie them together. We can showcase them. We can keep the trademarks. We can put them in front of a new generation of fans, throw it against the wall, see what sticks. And basically, the seeds of Revolution Future is buried in these comics, to sort of paraphrase Mm. Beast Machines there. So I think this was just to get it out in front of people, younger fans who didn't know what Mask is, didn't know what, you know, the Braum and everything else. Um, Personally, you know, I've I've been I've been pushing for a new mask a new mask line for years. I mean, when they when they did when they did Switch Force, it's like you're doing this line of of cars that have snap out pop out weapons abilities, and you're not doing mask. Mm. You know, it, it just it just made me shake my head at the absurdity of it. Um, Brom has a very long and storied history uh, as being a very a very popular character in, during his run. Micronauts to a lesser to a lesser degree as well. Um, now I think I think we'll see the payoff on down the road. But like Rob said, I don't want it. I don't even though I'm not reading the books. I don't want it to derail the ongoing stories for six weeks, eight weeks, whatever the case may be, and then it not have any impact on the universe outside those eight weeks. So I, I think we're just going to have to wait and see. I, I, I would hope it would be enough interest generated by it to get these new toy lines. Um, personally, I'm a big Visionaries fan, and there was no Visionaries in this, and so you know, probably if it had been, I would like to see how they wrote that in with that. Um, but what Rob was saying reminded me, it's like like in Super Sentai, when you have, or, or Power Rangers, when you have two teams that cross over. Uh, you've got really good team-ups like between uh, the In-Space Rangers and Lost Galaxy Rangers, to use an example, where both teams are balanced, both teams are showcased equally, 
one team does not override the other. And then you've got and then you got a, a then you got crossovers like Operation Overdrive, in which you have the returning Rangers be so much more interesting than the current Rangers, and the fact that it's just so and the, the two teams barely inter, interact. So I think that's what happened with, from what Rob was saying with GI Joe and Transformers, they were not portrayed on an equal level. So you don't, so one one made the other look bad, or one just was made to look better, and the other one may not have changed that much, but it looked bad by comparison. Even though, even though there was nothing, nothing detrimental done to the other side, with, with the portrayals not being balanced, it came across as a weak crossover. So. You know, that could have been that as well. Uh, I just think we'll see more of this stuff play out in the future, but it also could have just been Hasbro saying, look what we own, check it out. You got stuff coming down the road. Well said, guys. Well said. And I think that's going to wrap up the mini cast this week. Again, doing a little spotting for RFC, which is off this week. Uh, before we go, I want to remind everybody that you can support this show and every show the TF Radio Network by going to tfradio.net slash Amazon and doing your Amazon shopping or just click the Amazon link at tfradio.net when you're perusing our podcasts. Clicking that link and then doing your Amazon shopping will put some nickels and dimes in Brian Kilby's pocket and he will use those to keep the podcasts going, keep them flowing every week, keep them free as if we would charge you for this. But if you support <laughs> us, we guarantee that uh, we won't charge unless Brian has other ideas that he's not telling us about. But we won't tell you. Um, go to tfradio.net slash Amazon or just click the Amazon link at tfradio.net. tfradio.net, like I said, and you will support the show without doing anything extra. It's never been easier and we appreciate you guys supporting us and most importantly, we appreciate you guys listening to us every week. So, for Rob Clay, for Don, the Headmaster Ferguson. For Matt, a.k.a. Melvar, this is John Luna. We will see you on the next RFC minicast. Music provided by bensound.com.